Esfandiar Barahini is joining the show, NBA reporter for the SDP Network and the host of the Objective Basketball Pod and the No Good Pod as well. Uh, Esfandiar, thanks so much for joining the show today. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Always, uh, always a pleasure to be on. Yeah, always fun. Um, okay, this question, it's not really fair because, you know, only one team was able to take this guy. But I, I do wonder, if the Raptors had drafted Desmond Bain instead of Malachi Flynn in 2020, suddenly the bench <laughs> is a little bit better. Suddenly there's at least a little bit more offense. I wonder if a little move like that would have changed. And, and I bring this up because Nick Nurse is gone because uh, didn't trust the bench, didn't develop the young players, but sometimes it's hard to develop and to trust a bench if the talent isn't there. And I, I, I do wonder, I know it's a weird way to start this interview with you, but I do wonder if a little move like that would have changed things today. Yeah, I mean, you can always uh, look back at past draft picks and uh, yeah. see where the Raptors could have gone a different direction. Obviously, uh, the most prominent one is always, at least for this this tenure that Nick Nurse has been coach, uh, is the Malachi Flynn versus Desmond Bain one. Now, to be honest with you, I think they could have survived that if some of the other roster moves had panned out the way they expected it to. Uh, the The issue is that, like, on top of missing on that specific draft – they also haven't really got those fringe marginal guys that they used to bank on to be productive players. You know, in the past, they would they would be able to get production from guys like Delano Banson or guys like Jeff Doughton Jr., who, who actually has been pretty good for them this season. But I, I think for the most part, it's, it's not being able to fill out that bench with an abundance of talent, so it makes that draft choice, the the, the Malachi Flynn over Desmond Bain choice, um, heightened. It heightens the fact that they missed out on that draft pick, to be honest with you. It, it creates a sort of snowball effect because those, those problems and those misses, quote-unquote, start to compound, and then now you're looking at, you know, where the Raptors are right now with a lack of depth and uh, truly uh, not a lot of talent on the roster outside of the top six or seven. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And and that's why, and, and, you know, listen, part of this, uh, the failure is on Nick Nurse, and part of it is that organizations eventually, everyone's got to go their separate way. Players eventually will often just tune out the coach, and it, it happens. It's it's just part of life. But I when, when I look back at it, it's just, I guess what this comes down to is that Nick Nurse's resume, if you just look at the resume, what he's done since he arrived here, that's not the resume of a coach that should get fired. Right. I agree with you. Uh, yeah. I mean, when you when you look at what Nick Nurse has done with this Raptors team and and what he's been able to really achieve with the rosters that he's he's had in front of him. Uh, I mean, he's done a great job. Obviously, the the NBA championship is what people will bring up. The coach of the year season, the year that they defended the championship is another season. But when it comes to really getting the most out of a roster, I think there's two ways to look at this. You can look at the development side of things and look at, you know, Malachi Flynn being in and out of the rotation or Jeff Doughton Jr. not being, uh, you know, transferred over and, and not being uh, signed to an, a long-term extension. Or you can look at, you know, the, the other fringe moves like not playing Christian Coloco often. I think there's, there's certain things that you can blame on Nick and what has happened this season and how the Raptors have been able to de develop their guys. Um, but the most 
the thing that pops out to me mostly really is the roster construction. And it's sort of, uh, you know, you get the card, you get the hand you've been dealt, so to speak. And, and Nick was, was dealt, dealt a, a pretty tough task this season, if you will. Yeah, and listen, I get the idea of what they were trying to do. They just, we're going to be different. Everyone zigs, we're going to zag. And we're just going to get all these great athletes and the wingspan and the height and the athleticism, and we're going to try to win differently because the Raptors, like 20 other teams, don't have one of those guys. And we know who those guys are. But in the end, maybe what we've learned is like two years ago, it worked. They got 48 wins, kind of caught the league off guard. But you give a year where everyone gets to study film. And in the end, maybe the best rosters are still the traditional ones where you have a traditional big man. And, you know, you have to find more shooting. I I think what today proved is that the experiment was not a success. Yeah. And, you know, Messiah Jury spoke today about that experiment a little bit, saying that he still, you know, sort of trusts the vision. He he trusts uh, what they've been building. uh, But he didn't like watching. The weird yeah. thing is, he also said, "I don't like why I often didn't like watching us play, but I believe in the experiment." Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, well, you know, the the the, the idea is, I think the experiment, the whole six nine vision thing, was more so an idea of what kind of players they're looking for. But they sort of, uh, you know, throughout the process of building this team, they they neglected some of the other areas. You mentioned the center position and Jakob Pertl, and, and you know, hopefully throughout free agent like free agency, they kind of solved that problem. Um, but th- there's other areas. There's guards play. There's there's not enough guard play through, in the bench that you can really rely on. Um, the the shooting aspect of things is something that they haven't really harped on. And Masai mentioned that a bunch in this press conference today as well. So I think they're not going to be as steadfast with this experiment. They're going to sort of loosen the parameters, if you will, of what they're expecting out of these certain players, just so they can have a little bit more versatility on the roster. When you have multiple guys who play the same position give you similar skills on a court uh it makes it harder spacing wise and then you know on top of that coaching wise it makes it much more difficult to be able to game plan and adjust and figure things out when all of the players that you have or or a majority of the players that you have can all sort of replicate the same skill set which sort of goes into my next question and you tweeted out that it's going to be a long summer Though you misspelled long, I think you had about seven O's. Oh, I get what you were doing. You were creating an effect there. Yes. No, it's uh, going to be a, a very long summer. Does that summer include either OG Ananobi or Pascal Siakam getting traded? I would. If Okay, well, let's let's approach that from two ways. From, from the Pascal yeah. Siakam perspective, I think it would be a very, very hard pill to swallow for this team, especially given the fact that they just traded their 2024 first-round draft pick, which is top six protected uh, yeah. for Yaka Pirtle. I think it would be very hard to commit to a hard reset given the fact that they owe a pick to the San Antonio Spurs next right. year. So being able to do that is, is – trading Siakam is going to be tough to to make an ownership agree on, to make the front office agree on. It would just be poor asset management, in my opinion. Um, when it comes to OG, uh, he's been great. You know, Masai Jury said today that he's one of the best two-way players, pound for pound. Uh, yes. He's obviously one of the best defenders in the NBA. Uh, he is also eligible for a contract extension in October. And you know, the reported dissatisfaction he's had with his role, whether it be playing time or, or usage, is clear. It, it's very obvious that this is something that's, that's um, you know, it, it clearly bothers Ananobi, if you will. So I think 
maybe the OG front is more likely. Uh, I think maybe there's a possibility that he gets traded, maybe in a draft night move, something for them to maybe move up in the lottery or add more bench pieces that way. Although I still lean that the Raptors end up, you know, running things back with pretty much the same roster, hoping to improve uh, marginally around the edges with some new bench pieces and seeing if that's enough. Yeah, and by the way, the reason I brought up trading OG or Siakam is in your last answer talking about how there is roster duplication. There's a lot of guys who do the same job, and that has issues on spacing. So if you could trade a Siakam for vet or OG for veteran players that can still help you win now, that's what I say versus say draft capital down the road. Because I agree, there's no point. The moment you traded for uh, trade that pick for Yakup Pertle, you said to the world, "We are not." Um, you know, we are not tanking. We're not doing any full rebuild. We are doing aggressive retooling. You know what, Esfandir? Maybe we're overthinking it. Is it as simple as this? The fate of the Raptors, the number one thing, is does Scotty Barnes take uh, take a leap? That is the number one factor. Uh, I mean, yeah. what they're trying to do with Scotty is connect the bridge, right? It's connecting a bridge between the younger guys on the team in Precious Achua and Gary Trent Jr. and the older guys in Pascal Siakam and Fred VanVleet. If Barnes can end up being an all-star level player in year three or maybe year four, now you're looking at a team that has Siakam, who's an all-star player, uh, Fred VanVleet, who went healthy, is an all-star level guard, and now you have Barnes, who is also an all-star level player. Now you have three all-star type of players on your roster and I think from that perspective you can look at it and it would be much more interesting to build around this team if Barnes reaches the heights and the ceiling that people expect him to. Now to be honest with you I think there's been a lot that's said about Barnes and what kind of a rookie season he or, or a second season he had a sophomore season he had that prototypical sophomore slump if you will but I think he did make some improvements as a passer, as a defender. He worked a lot on his body. He got a lot of, you know, he got stronger. Um, and I think moving into year three, an all-important year three for a guy like him, uh, we'll see some, some big leaps. I'm expecting a bigger leap from Scotty in, in year three than I am in year two. As Fandier, where can people find your work? People want to find your stuff. You, you do a great job on Twitter. Where do people go? Uh, you can go ahead and check us out on, on YouTube at SDPN, or you can go ahead and just, you know, follow me on Twitter, do the thing, and I'll, I'll be I'll be promoting my stuff there. Don't you worry. Oh, I know. I know. I, it, you're, you're a good follow, especially not just for Raptor games, but for the NBA playoffs in general. I really appreciate especially like just crazy busy day for anyone in the basketball beat after the firing of Nick Nurse. So I appreciate you taking some time. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's only going to get crazier from here. I know, I know. I uh, still debating who I who I'm rooting for, uh, who I want to win it all. I, I a lot of times, you know, now that Kyrie's on the playoffs, it's like, oh, there's one of my favorite villains gone. Um, maybe not Golden State after Draymond. I'm not sure. Is there one team you're clearly rooting for, and one team you are rooting hard against? Because having a villain makes sports more fun. Yeah, I mean, look, I I have to be as as objective and as impartial as possible. Obviously, you I do. I do. <laughs> Obviously, you know the objective basketball podcast. So I have to have some level headedness here. But 
Uh, for a team that I'm rooting for, I'm really interested in what the Lakers are doing this season. I mean, they started the year 2-10, and 10, and they clawed their way uh, to a playoff spot because of that. They made some very, very interesting trade that deadline acquisitions. The team looks much better than what their record is. Um, and obviously with LeBron James, the all-time record, and, and you know being 38 years old, it's there's not that many opportunities we're going to get for LeBron to have a chance and win an NBA championship. And as a guy who's, who's covered basketball, watched basketball for the entirety of the, that man's career, it's, um, it's going to be a joy to see him potentially get an opportunity this season to, to win an NBA championship. Who I'm rooting against? Uh, I, I don't know if I'm necessarily rooting against anybody, uh, I, although I think it would be interesting if the Warriors end up clawing back and winning the series. It's, it's much more interesting now that the Warriors ended up winning in Game 3 against Sacramento, who's been awesome. Uh, and maybe maybe the Warriors end up pulling it out. We'll see what happens. I got to tell you, I, I'm now, and I hate to say this because he left us, I'm kind of rooting for the Clippers. Not only, uh, mostly, I because, I, mostly because now Russell Westbrook is like, see, I can be a good player and help a team win. I, and yeah. the Russell Westbrook revenge tour, if he could somehow help them, and, and of course you need Kawhi Leonard to come back, if he could beat his old teammate, Kevin Durant, if he could eliminate LeBron and the Lakers and then go on and win a title, that would be wild. I mean, I think that would be one of the craziest stories. Uh, yes. I, I, the, the Clippers in general, uh, and you mentioned in passing here, the Suns don't look all that great right now. Uh, Kevin yeah. Durant, Devin Booker, and Chris Paul, they're logging a lot of minutes. I think Devin Booker has played 44-plus minutes in every single game in this series so far. Same thing with Kevin Durant, I believe. And if you look at that, that's not necessarily a recipe for success for a team that is housing three guys who sort of have had their injury woes throughout their career and especially this season. Uh, I'd be... I would not be shocked if the Clippers end up winning this series if Kawhi is healthy, of course. I think that's the biggest factor here. Yeah. Um, we'll see what happens. But, yeah, the, the Suns don't look like uh, world beaters right now. They don't. They don't? Crazy. Hey, Sandy, I really appreciate it. Thanks for joining the show. Thank you very much. Have a good one. You too.